Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for sharing your precious time with me again today. I'm very excited about this episode because it's something we haven't talked about before, but something that can really separate you from your competition. Bonnie Sepkowski is the President and Chief Strategy Officer of Stellar Meetings and Events, and she's going to share the why, the how, and the wow of customer loyalty events. I met Bonnie through the ACPLS. You've all heard me talk about them. And speaking of the ACPLS, by now, you know they're having their annual meeting in Boston on October 25th and 26th with full-day workshops following on the 27th. Check out acp-ls.org slash annual dash meeting. Here's the thing. If you're a loyal listener and happen to be hearing this episode the day it comes out, August 14th, I've got a special treat for you. You can save $350 if you register for the meeting by midnight tomorrow. That's right. Consider it a flash sale. Save $350 if you register by August 15th. Go to acp-ls.org slash annual dash meeting. Scroll down, find the button, and register. Now, let's jump into this. Today, I'm speaking to Bonnie Sipkowski. She's the president and CSO of Stellar Meetings and Events. Bonnie, thanks for joining me on Life Science Marketing Radio. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this because we are going to talk about client loyalty events. Some of the people who listen to this podcast regularly have heard me say that the most effective marketing you can do is to keep an existing customer happy. And so that's exactly our topic for today. So, um, Bonnie, tell us a little bit about what you, how you see a customer loyalty event and how is it different and how is the audience different from other events you might put on during the year like you would at a trade show? Well, a trade show is purely an exercise in sales. Um, whereas a, a loyalty program might be known more as, some, as a little bit of stealth marketing. So you're, you're not selling at an event like this. You're not even necessarily talking about your product or your service at all. Okay. And so what, what are we talking about at, at this kind of an event? What, what are kinds mm-hmm. of things you could do for your clients at this event? Well, you'd be talking about trends in the industry that might affect that group specifically. So if you're in uh, pharmacovigilance, you might talk about um, what's, what's going on in that industry across the board, um, what's going on in business across the board that would impact the day-to-day of the people that you're targeting. So you're not going to say, please buy our widgets at this meeting. You're not going to talk about your widgets at all. You're going to talk about how your client can can improve their business with you or without you. And the value of right. that is that it's that they're walking away with content, with um, with knowledge that they wouldn't have had had they not arrived. And now you've given them something for nothing. Or right. 
or for a small kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so a lot of education involved and, of course, the opportunity um, to talk to other people who are also customers of your your company. Yes. And there so has to be value in that. It gives it gives the clients an opportunity not just to get to know other people within the company that might be helpful to them or they might want to know, but also to other people within their own industry who maybe have a similar job title. You can talk about new trends in, in your world. Um, people build little peer discussion groups, little LinkedIn groups afterwards where they stay in touch with people with similar titles. Um, also, maybe you can find uh, some place to work or somewhere to someone to hire at one of these. You're, you're in a room full of people who have the same day-to-day as you do. Right. And so I've seen what I would call some of these uh, loyalty events, but they're typically connected with a conference. So maybe a big scientific conference and then there's a hospitality booth and it's, it, and I guess, uh, the first difference is that the hospitality booth is open to more than, um, just your current customers and there's a sales aspect to it. So talk about the advantages of having this event completely separate from any other, uh, conference or trade show. Well, you're not competing with, with your competition for their attention. So if you go to a DIA program, for instance, there's going to be 20 hospitality rooms. And whoever has the coolest room or venue or, uh, or theme is going to get the attendance. And it's not going to matter uh, who you are or what you have to offer. People are not really going to those events to bring you business. So if they're showing up at your event, you may get five minutes to talk to five people that you wanted to meet. Whereas if you're holding an event like this, you're going to get three days with 100 people or 200 people that you want to know. Nice. Yeah. So much more, well, a lot more. I hate, I won't even say FaceTime, but I just did. But it is. (laughs) Ultimately, Ultimately, it's all about FaceTime, and that gets forgotten more and more when you're, when you're working on your budget for the years, is how much time can I spend actually speaking to a happy client, a disgruntled client, a potential client, um, a, a client who may have more business for you elsewhere within their company. Um, you don't really get that FaceTime at, at one right. of those hospital rooms. Yeah, and even if you were a salesperson, you know, you're if you go to meet someone at their where they work, there's other distractions. Here, you you've got them, you know, a select group who said, "I am available for three days to learn about this," and so they're engaged. They're there for the same purpose as you are, less distracted, um, and fully engaged. And at times, it you know, it, it might take a year. It may take attending one or having one of your colleagues attend one before you realize that it really is a, a, a product agnostic kind of program. Does it, um, does it take, I, I guess I have a question later, but I'm going to bring it up right now. So um, does it 
take a little bit of effort to get that through to your own sales team or anybody who's working your side of the event that this is an educational experience and and is some education or um, mindset to be changed there to make that work? Yes. You, the, the first thing you have to do is, is train your own internal people. You have to teach your salespeople who may be very high quality, great closers. Um, and, and they're going to have to turn that off for a couple of days. And that can be very difficult for people. And then on the marketing end, you have to make sure that you get that message across to the attendees without saying, hey, we're not selling to you. It, it, it has to be just a little more subtle than that. Um, so so there's, there's a learning curve on, on uh, internally as well as externally. I spend a lot right. of time with the clients themselves talking about how to hold one of these programs, how to sell one of these programs, how to market one of these programs. And can you give me an idea of, obviously the budget depends on the size of the event, but what, is it possible to discuss what budget looks like for one of these events? It's very much like asking how much a car costs. Um, <laughs> there are, there are so many um, variables in it. So how many people do you think you're com are coming? What kind of property or venue or are you going to use for this event? How much are you going to spend on your speakers? Um, this can be a one and a half day program or a two and a half day program. You can use internal speakers to save money, but that, you know, then you run into the, the, how do we not sell problem? Um, how many people do you think you're going to have attend? Those are all really distinct they have a very distinct effect on the budget. I've done these for $25,000 and I've done these for three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, it okay. depends on, you know, there's a huge range. Are you going to take over the Smithsonian for an event or are you going to take a dinner cruise? Yep. So you mentioned, um, you know, the challenges of using only internal people and, so when you're putting together an event like this, how do you go about building a program that you know is going to be valuable to your audience? Not to give away any trade secrets, but um, Google's really good for that. So you, you find out. Uh, it, it, a lot of time, I spend a lot of time with uh, the business owners at my client companies talking about what kind of message they want to get across. Because there's a certain, even if you're not uh, giving a, a sales pitch, there is a certain, certain culture that you want to pass down to your attendees. You want them to know who you are. Um, and that's more cultural. But also, um, it, it, there's a lot dependent on, uh, on the message that you're, that you're giving. So maybe you're you're selling advisory services uh, to, to your clients. So you don't want to talk about your advisory services, but you might want to talk about how um, expertise is, is not inherent just because you can go to WebMD or, or Google. 
So you find someone who has that story as part of their area of expertise. I've hired a gentleman recently who has a book called The Death of Expertise. And we'll use that gentleman as a speaker at a conference for a group of people who are trying to establish themselves more as industry experts. I guess the, the, the comparison I would say is you, you go to WebMD to get some ideas about what might be going on with your stomach pains, but you would probably go to a surgeon to get your appendix out. Yeah. So you can do some, yeah, you're doing some research. So I just wanted to make it clear that um, you're looking somewhat far and wide using Google to find speakers who, by their own expertise, are communicate the the message and the culture that aligns with what you want people to think about your your business and yes, provide and also, value to the audience. Yeah, but also, you know, there's there's there are often very specific issues going on in your specific industry that need to be addressed, and maybe it's not something that you um, have the the widget for but you can expose your clients to if they're in the, in the quality world or in the uh, medical device world and there are new uh, FDA standards that have to be followed, maybe there's, there's information out there that can be brought into a room and shared so that people leave at the end of the day with, with knowledge they didn't have when they walked in or, or a a process they didn't have when they walked in. But yeah, that's a lot of Google, a lot of time in bookstores, um, either online or in person. I always know who's writing what in, in the business world. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's pretty, uh, outstanding. I mean, in the sense of, you know, staying on top of that, it, that's certainly value you would bring to your clients by, by being on top of who's writing about what, who could we possibly get for this event? That would be hugely valuable for the kinds of things our audience are looking for in terms of content. Right. And if you're, you, if you're making this a user group, um, then you do tend to use your own expertise. So you may, it may be in your best interest as a company, if you've got, um, my clients are mostly in the life science world. So if you've got MDs or, or PharmDs on your payroll and they are your SMEs, then they might be the ones to speak. Uh, but they have to be well-trained as well. Yeah, so your, your own subject matter experts, certainly a resource, but definitely you wouldn't turn them loose without some prep. <laughs> Right. And your clients as well. Invite your clients to speak about what's going on in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I'm likes sure they... everyone should be asked to speak and everybody's got something to add. And um, we want to know what they're thinking. What what business does not want to know what their clients are, are what challenges their clients are seeing or how they've overcome yes. them. 
with or without you. Absolutely. Yep. No, oh, definitely. So that's a great transition to my next question, which was how do you get um, the key people to attend your meeting uh, in terms of the value of the networking? Obviously, you're trying to uh, – when you gr- gather together a group of the right people, then more, more people want to show up. I mean, Gallagher used to say, the comedian – Say so everybody likes a crowd. If you have a big crowd, you'll get a lot of people. If you know, if it's a small yeah. crowd, no one wants to go. So yeah, how do you get uh, that crowd started with the right people? It's the hardest part. It really is, and and I don't have to tell anybody in the sales and marketing world how hard it is to get the attention of your clients uh, to begin with. So uh, it it starts with training the salespeople. Um, it starts with identifying who you want to see there and there may be people at a level that um that that you really want or a specific individual you want and oftentimes um that's somebody you want to speak at the meeting anyway so sometimes asking someone to be on a panel or to be a speaker at your conference is a good way to get those key people to attend um it has to be appropriate it has to be it has to fit into what what the message is but Asking those key people to be on your agenda is a good way to get those people to show up. Um, mark, this is where marketing is key. Um, I do a lot of the marketing for a lot of my clients, so we bring in some, uh, we bring in the really good graphics team and some really good writers, and um, we'll work together with the client to get some really compelling marketing. Uh, uh, documents out there and because you're mostly inviting your own clients you've got their contact information ask your yes. ask your salespeople to identify 25 key people that they need there and then make them accountable for that um, so i want to go back to something you just said so when you're doing the marketing and you've got access to your client are you talking about your client are you talking about working with your clients clients that you're trying to get to the meeting on marketing so using your invited speakers or invited guests reaching out to them directly to create some material no no this would be either my team here or my clients marketing team there at their own company so um life science marketing radios uh marketing department would sit down with us and together we would come up with uh, some compelling documents to send out, some compelling invites, and then you have to get the salespeople on it. It, it, Nothing beats a phone call ever. That is the most valuable way to get someone to attend your meeting is to talk to them, find out what they need, and then talk to them about how this meeting is, is an appropriate place for you. Yeah. It's hard. That, yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm guessing for salespeople that might be easier, but it's hard for them too. Yes. Because I'm just thinking, yeah, um, people seem reluctant to pick up the phone. I, I suffer from that sometimes. See, I'm a phone person. Um, I want to talk to everybody. So, uh, But I get it. Um, so much is automated now. But getting a human being on the phone and someone you know, you're – you know, whoever owns your, that account, 
Um, if you work for um, if you work for Chuck, um, or Chuck is your client, you want to and and you're the salesperson. You want to call Chuck yourself. He knows you. Right. Uh, hopefully, there's a relationship there already. Um, the phone call itself is relationship building. Even if they don't come to the meeting, you've had some phone time with them. You've had some uh, the next best thing to face to face. So it's good for each salesperson in terms of relationship building with their client to make these calls anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good reminder. Is and that... you have to you have to get senior management to hold the sales team accountable for that. It's 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 the least fun part. And wh- so I'm curious about that. Why is that? Like, why wouldn't the sales team want to do that? Why is that least fun for them? Like, I, I'm thinking if this um, event is uh, as outstanding as I'm sure it is when you, you're producing this thing, why wouldn't they be excited to just call up their their clients and say, hey, we're doing this really cool thing. We've got, you know, X, Y, and Z coming to speak at this thing. It's totally no pressure. We just would love to have you there. You're giving them a gift. I think so, too. I think they're just, I think people are busy. People are busy. Their clients are busy. Um, They're on the road a lot. Um, And and they need to get um, a good script put in place. And that would be on the marketing department to do that. At least not not necessarily a script, but a a little bit of uh, some bullet points that you remember to touch on when you get on the phone. Yeah, and that's a great point. Uh, Just because... It seems like busyness is the enemy of all kinds of success. Yes. <laughs> and, and we all struggle to get around that. And often there's a little thing like a list of bullet points that would overcome the barrier because someone's sitting there and they're staring at their phone going, what am I going to say when I, get on, when I get them on the line? And if you have that, then you go, oh, okay, I can call this person up and say four things that are really cool about this event. It, it, done. Yeah. So, yeah, I just like to reinforce that idea that a lot of times when something's hard, there there's often a a simple thing to create that would overcome the barrier that you can use over and over again. Right. Sort of a, you know, a, a list of of intriguing things and maybe some if-thens for um if somebody's got a an objection that's uh that that can be easily overcome. You don't mm-hmm. want to make, again, it comes down to the same thing. You can't hard sell a meeting that's about not selling. So <laughs> <laughs> you, really, you really want to tone the pressure down. It's, it's, you have to close, but it's, uh, it's a relationship focus. It's, 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 not a, it's, it's another step in the relationship between the sales team and the client. Yeah. And if they come all the better. But even the process is, is good for your company's relationship with your clients. Right. And that's a nice transition to this whole idea. I mean, I think the, this, the idea of this type of event for your customers in terms of what they can get out of it and what you can get out of it, learning about their needs very specifically. There's so many components to it. There's the event, there's also a content component. There's the storytelling component. 
And then overall, there's this focus on loyalty, and it's in a sense a reward or a gift for your existing customers to be part of this community. Yes. And eventually, um, hopefully it's an opportunity to find new clients as well. I guess that happens when people go back and they tell their peers or or uh, in other companies that may not yet be your clients, hey, I just went to this event, so-and-so put it on, you really ought to check these people out. They're, they're on top of the whole game. Right. And, and additionally, people job hop. And if there's a loyalty component built in to your head of widget development, that's your, your client, and they leave the company, they're going to take you with them. And that's what I've seen. That's how my, my business has been built. Literally 100% has been from people that I know or people who have been clients, have left their jobs, and have brought me with them to their new company. And that's all yeah, relationships. The loyalty goes with the person, not with the yeah. name on the invoice. Exactly. Nice. While you answer my last questions is, how, how have you seen this loyalty program pay off for your clients in the long run? Well, that's that's the biggest part. But also, they you know they evangelize for you in their office. So maybe they are not the head of widget development. Maybe they are the uh, you know junior administrator for widget uh, marketing. But their boss, who they come back to with all of this knowledge and experience that they didn't have when they left their office for this trip, things that they can they can put into motion and make their work better. That, that boss might come next year to the meeting or may he may be now someone that you can call. Someone can make an introduction. Nice. Can we talk a little bit about, um, so everybody on who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big fan of Joe Polizzi and the Content Marketing Institute, and he and Robert Rose are always talking about um, – turning marketing into a profit center in some ways. So um, can we talk a little bit about, you know, when you get this event started, maybe you're not charging, but in the long run, you might be able to have an event that has such value that people will actually pay to come to it, which is not an outrageous idea because people pay to be marketed to at Legoland and Disneyland and many other experiences. <laughs> so... Uh, and that's, what, that's exactly what have you seen there? That's exactly how it works. Um, we we start out with a we start with a smaller company maybe or a company that's early in their life cycle and they're just starting and maybe they do a half a day program and it's complimentary and it's a cost. There's there's absolutely a cost to this. Um, maybe next year you have twice as many people. Now it's now it's a really valuable meeting. And you can spend a little bit more money because you're seeing business come from this. And by year three, you've got three, four, or five times as many people as you did the first time, and now you can start to charge. And you can, and once you start to charge, you can start increasing the level of quality of the program. You can start hiring more expensive speakers, which doesn't always mean better speakers, but there's nothing better than someone who's just written an interesting business book. 
with a compelling title to draw the audience. Um, so, yeah, by, by year three or four, you want to start thinking about charging for the program. And again, before you ask me how much, it's, it's just, like, just like the initial question, how much does this cost? How much do you charge? How much do you sell your car for? Right. It depends on what the market bears and what you're offering. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask you that time, but um, <laughs> thank you for letting me know. I mean, that's, but I, I love the whole, you know, again, uh, long-term view, which I think is also um, gets squashed by busyness sometimes. This is a process. We could start this thing, you know, three years from now, we could be in an entirely different place because we put this in place today and had a vision for where it was going and um, think about how we get to that rather than, oh, let's do an event this year and if it works, we'll do another event next year. And, and then you get in kind of routine and never even the expectation that, oh, we could be charging for this if we yeah. thought about it in a different way. So. Yeah. I was going to say somebody, as, as I've seen before, somebody bigger might buy your company, especially with the smaller companies. I've seen that over and over again, and now your program has grown exponentially. And it's, it's a value add that you add to, that you bring to the table. Yes, I love that. And that's another, um, you know, that event and your customers that attend it are an become an asset for your company that is another company would say we want to buy it just because they they do this so well and they have their uh, i don't want to say you know their how do i want to say it (laughs) i'm trying to say it nicely they've cultivated an audience that we would like to have access to it, it, it opens up the, uh, let's say, it, it opens up the line of communication between people that they may have not gotten to know before. Right. And, that, and that's huge value. And, and you can sell them stuff. And that's e- <laughs> exactly what Joe Polizzi would say about content marketing is it, the audience is the asset. And this is what you're doing. This, this event is a content marketing tactic. It actually is. To build this audience. And, and then at some point monetize that audience in ways that, uh, it's interesting is a, that's a completely different thing than the rest of your business, but you're, you're going to do this type of event or some events, whether it's this type or not anyway. So why not? Right. Agreed. Bonnie Sipkowski, that has been, I love this conversation and, and thank you so much for sharing all your experience and insights on this. I think this is going to open the eyes of a lot of people about how to think about their events differently and their customers and their long-term vision of what's possible in their marketing besides what looks to me, I'm sure a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. There's definitely a, a large component of fun in this business. There's, there's lots of fun involved, and these are fun events. They almost always are fun events because you're, you're yeah. doing something that, the, uh, that holds their interest, and then you're going to cool places, and you're eating and drinking and talking. What's better than that? Yeah, I love it. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Can you see how an event like this has value, not just in the short term, but over the long haul? 
if you make this happen and stick with it to grow your audience like any good content marketer would, you'll be creating huge value for your company. Bonnie knows what she's doing. I recommend you get in touch with her at StellarEvents.com. And in case you're driving, I'll put a link in the show notes as well so you can find it later. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your peers and your colleagues. Somebody you know needs to hear this stuff. So please let them know about the podcast and I will talk to you again in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.